0: Good afternoon. You're listening to Money FM89.3. I'm Twatientian with your Market View. Well, it's the end of the work week already, and we want to take stock of a couple of uh, major developments in the US, Asia, and Singapore. We have the minutes from the Federal Reserve's July meeting, which indicated that officials are likely to continue with more interest rate hikes down the road until inflation comes down substantially. Now, this, of course, will be data driven, with minutes indicating that it would be appropriate to slow the pace of policy rate increases at some point. And from the US, I want to take us to Asia and to China, which is reeling from the effects of a worsening property debt crisis. And finally, we want to look closer to home. Singapore's Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong has said that inflation is likely to peak in Q4 in the city-state. But what will this mean for the local economy? And before we go further, let's introduce our guest for today, Professor Sumit Agawal He's the Lo Tak Wong Distinguished Professor of Finance, Economics and Real Estate and also Managing Director of the Sustainable and Green Finance Institute at National University of Singapore. Hi, Prof.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Great. How are you as well? I heard you're in Jakarta right now.
1: Yes, I thought let me do this interview from a distance.
0: Sure. So let's start off uh, with the distance as well, looking at the U.S. Minutes from the U.S. Federal Reserve's July meeting seems to suggest that uh, officials could slow the rate of interest rate hikes at some point. But how do we determine when that will be? Yeah. So as
1: the minutes say, it will be pretty much data driven and they look at a variety of data. I mean, I used to be at the Fed for six years and I used to participate in the FOMC meetings regularly. So the data will come in as minute from different parts of the country. They will aggregate this data through the 12, central, 12 regional federal reserves. And all of this will collectively then meet up in the board and decide if the data is suggesting that prices are stabilizing, supply chains are rela- relaxed, the political economy pressures in Europe seem to be uh, loosening, and oil prices are not hiking anymore. Now, all of this seems to be indicative to be true. Oil prices are coming down. Supply chains are not as tight because alternative uh, suppliers have been found in Asia and elsewhere. So everything is, is in the right direction to uh, ease in inflationary pressures. Uh, but it's a question of, is it the next meeting or is the, the meeting after that? So my guess would be in the next meeting, they may still be suggesting that they will raise the rates minimally, but subsequent to that, I don't see any reasons for the Fed to continue to raise rates. They may just uh, stop raising rates for, for a while, and then once they see inflation come down substantially, they might actually say, let's actually reduce rates.
0: Uh, Prof, you mentioned that uh, prices are stabilising and all, but from some of the data that we managed to read off the reports, it seems like there have been very mixed data coming out of the US. The weekly jobless claims, for one, showed that the economy is very resilient and robust in a high interest rate environment. On the other hand, we see consumer prices cooling off. And if we turn to retail data to look at some of the earnings from big retailers to see how consumers are handling the higher interest rates... We also see very mixed results from Walmart, which is way better than expected versus Target, which fell below estimates. So which data, which will be the deciding report that the Fed will use in deciding where it wants to go in September?
1: Uh, I mean, you're just pointing out three or four big data points. Uh, There'll be many, many hundreds of other data points that housing starts is clearly a big issue. Housing construction uh, overall consumption uh, core consumption uh, then we have to start thinking about you know um, uh, discretionary consumption items so i think if you look as you just pointed out some of the big issues one which is uh, wages okay wages are resilient uh, despite the inflation then you talked about prices to be stabilizing walmart doing much better so consumers are actually not being scared to go out and shop despite the inflationary pressures they are feeling and interest rate hikes. So clearly, the wages are high enough, or the real wages have not dropped because of the higher uh, inflation. Uh, so again, this all this points to me that the economy is resilient. And right now, what uh, Biden did is pass this big tax and uh, energy agenda worth uh, three hundred uh, billion dollars. So I think all of this suggests to me that we will see inflationary pressures to reduce and the economy to bounce back. And that's what actually the man on the street is feeling, that there's no reason to be scared and shut down our spending and shut down uh, a, a big expenditures like buying houses.
0: So officials, Prof, they have earlier indicated that it's either going to be a 50 BPS or 75 BPS rate hike come September. And given that you mentioned that the US economy is fairly resilient, if we go by a 50 BPS hike, um, will we achieve that soft landing that we have all been hoping for?
1: Uh, yes. So I think uh, uh, in this at this point, the market is already pricing in a 50 BPS as opposed to a 75 BPS uh, price increase. And that seems to be appropriate because they don't want to put, take off the, uh, the, the, the feet from the pedal. They still want to say, okay, we are really trying to push the brakes as much as we can to slow down the economy but not have a hard landing. So they will continue to hit the brakes slightly more with a 50 uh, BPS increase in interest rate And that will actually make everything, everybody be cautious that uh, the Fed things, that they are done, and this looks like to be a thing of the past.
0: Mm, if you're just to name, we are now speaking to Professor Sumit Agarwal, Lo Tak distinguished professor of finance, economics, and real estate, and also managing director of the Sustainable and Green Finance Institute at the National University of Singapore. Um. Let's move on from the U.S. to look at Asia. In fact, several central banks in Asia have raised interest rates. So, to what extent do you think, uh, minutes from the Fed would affect sentiments over here in in the Asian region?
1: I mean, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure we should couple these. Things very closely they are very regional factors that affect economies in in asia indonesia malaysia india china these are the big economies in the region and they have their own issues to deal with a bigger problem for them unlike us is oil which is their big import and as long as oil prices are high that still has a significant inflationary pressure on these countries, and so they will have to continue to think about interest rate differently from what the U.S. does. But U.S. does give them a signal that, look, uh, things, prices seems to be stabilizing, supply chains seems to be, and the political economy issues that everybody is worried about may be kind of receding in the past. I mean, now the war has been going on for a while. I mean, we can't continue to think of that as a new event. And the reasons for that war and issues of, uh, you know, food imports that people have already kind of factored in and found alternative ways to uh, find food uh, supplies that they need. So I think in that sense, uh, Asian countries will take the cue from the U.S., but they will also look at their local issues and local market conditions to deal with. And it seems to me, when I look at the data from, from Asia, that Asia did not experience that high of an inflation as was in the U.S. And part of the reason is the U.S. labor market was heating up very fast. Okay, and that put more additional pressure on inflation because if wages are going up and there's there's full employment, people are just going out and spending more and more money. That just creates a you know the the vicious cycle on in inflation.
0: And I also want to. Uh have a closer look at China and its ongoing property market crisis because the Chinese government, they have taken steps to support its ailing real estate sector, including coming up with things like uh, publicly traded rental property REITs to inject fresh capital into the real estate sector infrastructure. But how effective are these measures though? Uh,
1: I think China has serious issues with their real estate market. Mm. Okay. we know that there is huge capital flight from China. A lot of millionaires from China are taking out their money and parking it in various countries in Asia, uh, including Singapore. Uh, a major part is the, their relationship and how they have dealt with the pandemic. And that has created a significant economic slowdown. Uh, that has also created a dampening effect on the real estate market. Now, that may be also correlated with uh, the inflation, but it's very hard to know what is happening in terms of inflation inside China, okay? Uh, I think most of China's problems are their inability to effectively deal with the reopening of the economy due to the pandemic, and and that is the bigger concern in terms of the economic growth prospects and labor market prospects there.
0: Hmm. So wider issues they are more concerning, though, right? The property crisis is just a, one part of the bigger bigger picture. But um, I do want to find out a little bit more about this as well because this, is, this was just out. In fact, media reports surfacing that Chinese banking regulators is launching a new probe into banks' property loan exposure. What is the significance of that, though? And how does it fit that, that, in the bigger scheme of things?
1: That's an important issue. Look, when things were all roaring, and the economy was booming nobody cared about what the banks were doing and how their balance sheets looked if they had too much exposure in the real estate because the real estate market was doing very well property prices were going up banks were making money now because the economy is slowing down because of the inability to deal with the pandemic the balance sheet of the banks are not looking as good Pro- property prices are not going up people may be defaulting or being delinquent on their uh, on their payments of these mortgages, developers who took out big loans from the banks to build these massive apartment buildings or commercial buildings are not doing so because the demand for those things is soft. So everybody is worried and the regulators are rightfully worried. What is happening to the bank's balance sheet are having too much exposure to real estate. This is similar to 2006, 2007 in the US where banks has too much exposure to real estate.
0: I see it as a, right, a step in the right direction, but how significant or how much of an impact will this generate? Or how effective is this measure going to be? Or is this proof going to be? Uh,
1: not that much. <laughs> Look, um, a lot of these banks are quasi-state-owned and their balance sheets, I think the government will have to help them repair the balance sheet uh, because at this point, unless the economy grows, they can't fix the problem through the demand side they will have to do something from the supply side, which is the government stepping in or the banks actually writing some of these uh, loans off.
0: And looking at the bigger picture for in terms of growth for China, right? do you think the Chinese government is able to dole that much support to bring the Chinese economy back to perhaps where it was before the pandemic or perhaps back to its growth target of around 5%? Increasingly, we are saying that this is not achievable, but will we be able to reach at least somewhere near that target?
1: I mean, look, I I will not doubt that the Chinese government has thought about this carefully. Uh, There are smart people in the government uh, who would have figured out, look, how to deal with when we open up the economy and how will we revitalize the various sectors of the economy. But the fact is that many countries that were relying on Chinese imports have found alternative places to import similar things. Okay, so that will be almost a permanent loss to uh, China. But China has also been pivoting away from relying on exports to local domestic consumption. So China may be able to bounce back. But I agree that I'm not sure China will come back to what China used to be pre-pandemic, where that was the growth role model for the world. It will kind of fall back to one of those larger growth economies with moderate economic growth and the other uh, economies like Vietnam and Indonesia and India will be the future, you know, darlings of the world to see economic growth.
0: Mm. Exciting days ahead indeed. Uh, finally, Prof, let's wrap up by talking about Singapore. Earlier this week, uh, DPM Lawrence Wong has said that inflation in Singapore is expected to peak in Q4, but will likely remain elevated going forward. Where do you think this new equilibrium is likely to be and what does it mean for the Singapore economy?
1: I mean, yes, it is going to be a little bit tough time this year. So uh, DPM Lawrence Wong is correct. I mean, he has more data than I do. He's looking at a lot more data to make this assessment. Uh, But uh, this will have implications on interest rates which have been rising in Singapore. uh, uh, And that will affect investment, corporate investment. That will also affect household consumption. And I think that will have implications on economic growth prospects for Singapore. But again, I don't see this as a long-term problem. I do see that going into next year, uh, things will look much better in terms of inflation. And I think uh, Singapore will bounce back. So if we are talking again the same time next year, I think the picture will be much better for Singapore. It would have gone through a th- period of three to three and a half years of tough time because of COVID and then because of inflation. But I think the government has been thinking about it, talking about it and planning for it. Uh, luckily, Singapore has a lot of reserves and they can and you, you should use it when necessary. Th- those, that's what the reserves are for. When the economy is really in a tough time, they can use that to give subsidies to gov- to corporates and to individuals to bridge that gap that they may be feeling.
0: Thank you very much, Prof. Agawal. And that was Prof. Sumit Agawal, Lo kwong Distinguished Professor of Finance, Economics and Real Estate and also Managing Director of the Sustainable and Green Finance Institute at NUS. Uh, Prof, I understand you're flying back from Jakarta today, so have a safe flight. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.